I lost my uncle in 1983. I lost some family members, a lot of health conditions, etc. So I had seen the whole stress that a family goes through when uh, a near-dear earning member expires. And uh, I thought uh, insurance was a great tool to, you know, educate people that this was a tool you could use to avoid the financial negativity that comes out of such an event. And uh, I kind of made it my life purpose here. We are used to going to an Amazon, clicking a button and getting the thing delivered to us in a day or two. And that to a physical good. Here it's an electronic item. It can ideally be delivered instantaneously. There should be no time delay. If I want a refund, I should be able to click a button and get a refund. Right? Why do I need to take somebody's permission to get a refund on the money I have paid? I want to cancel the product before buying it. I don't find anybody else as passionate about health insurance and life insurance as us. So our, our mission and our business is very, very critical to us, right? So I was very worried when COVID happened because a lot of our operations depend on people working from office. We had almost 10, 12,000 employees. It's an interesting phase. We are uh, going into that phase where, you know, we could potentially move from 5, 10% market share to maybe 25, 30% market share, which is huge in an industry like insurance, right? You appreciate insurance is like a you know globally a multi-trillion dollar economy that's yashish daya co-founder and group chief executive officer of policybazaar.com yashish is among the prominent faces in startup ecosystem in india and has built a huge brand in policybazaar.com in over 12 years yashish has grown policybazaar to become a key influencer in consumer decisions around insurance he believes death, disease, and disability products are the future of the insurance industry as India strives towards social security. He has worked in the past as managing director of eBookers PLC, and prior to that, he was a consultant with Bain & Company at the London office. Another key thing about Yashish is that he is an avid sports person. I'm Singhavi, founder of Growth Culture, author of The Growth Company, and host of Masters of Growth podcast. Welcome to the third episode of the podcast. In this episode here, Yashish talk about running an agile customer-focused technology company in India in regulated sectors like insurance and lending. He shares his thoughts around COVID-19 pandemic and the company's response towards the same. We also talk about business growth, road ahead for the company, and future of insurance. He has an interesting and powerful advice on starting up and building successful businesses. It's an engaging and insightful conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with Yashish, and I'm sure that you too would enjoy listening to it. So let's jump right into it. Hi, I'm Mansingh Gatvi and with me I have Yashish Daya, co-founder and group CEO of PolicyBazaar.com. Thanks Yashish for joining us. Hi Mansingh, pleasure to be here. Most of us know you as CEO of PolicyBazaar, uh, but tell us more about your professional journey before you co-founded PolicyBazaar. After uh, my education at IIT and IIM, I joined uh, ITW Signode and I was an industrial sales manager with them for four years, industrial product sales manager, post which I went to INSEAD. Then I joined uh, Bain & Company as a consulting, uh, it's a consulting firm in their London office. Worked with them, worked on projects with Vodafone, Borealis, uh, interesting things. But I was always more of an operating person than an you know advisory person. So at some point decided to get back to the industry and I joined eBookers to do their CRM analytics data. So more from a data and tech perspective, I joined eBookers. And this is way back, we're talking about 2003, 
very quickly i rose to becoming the cto of the company then became the managing director of the company and uh, finally the company was sold to sendent which was the largest uh, travel agency at that time in the world it was an online travel business just like make my trip or yatra or clear trip in india and uh, you know at this stage i was thinking about what to do next and that is where i actually got a job offer from admiral which is a uk based uh, insurance company and uh, my whole thinking of insurance really started from there once i had the job offer i thought about you know why not do it myself but it wasn't really that clear it was more because my family did not want to move to cardiff otherwise i quite liked the admiral people and because of that you know i started some business in europe that did not quite work out and then uh, started uh, policy bazaar in india back in 2008 now it's been 13 years so it's almost like a pre policy bazaar and post policy bazaar uh, work experience if you would so i started working in 1996 and if you really think about it you know there was pre 2008 which would be roughly about 12 years so 12 years before policy bazaar and you know 13 years after policy bazaar so i think i've now spent more time working at policy bazaar than my entire career so i think rest of it has become a bit irrelevant compared to what i've been doing at policy bazaar sure and that's how everyone know you as a ceo of policy bazaar right <laughs> sure and you said that you had the exposure to insurance industry earlier right so was it a trigger to start a policy bazaar kind of business or what was the exact story or the incident which led to this business creation yeah there wasn't one incident it was a series of you know there wasn't one aha moment it was a series of moments i i looked at how admiral used to operate and they had this business called confused.com which was an aggregator in the uk and i saw how an aggregator essentially had a higher attractiveness for the customer at that time and i thought you know customers like to do a bit of comparison shopping etc and hence it would be a good idea but then when i came to india that was a very initial thought process right as you think about it that was a very initial thought process uh, but as i came to india then i saw here uh, people do not have health insurance life insurance and this is something i knew all along but i did not know what the solution was but the moment i realized insurance was a solution we really started working on popularizing that that people need to have health insurance and life insurance uh, to death disease and disability you know i lost my uncle in 1983 i lost some family members lot of health conditions etc so i had seen the whole stress that a family goes through when uh, a near dear earning member expires and uh, i thought uh, insurance was a great tool to you know educate people that this was a tool you could use to avoid the financial negativity that comes out of such an event and uh, i kind of made it my life purpose here and i kind of agree with you and uh, there's a recent uh, story about uh, my close friend his father got covid and his hospital uh, bill ran close to 5 lakh rupees and the question that i asked him is that i'm, I'm hoping that you have the insurance but his answer was uh, actually no and that was kind of a shocking right so it's, it's like you know it is still quite prevalent and then not many still do not have the right insurance for them and sometimes it, it certainly creates a lot of challenges for them yeah Mm. and and you uh, obviously were exposed to the aggregation kind of model earlier and then you uh, went with that aggregation model and uh, started the policy bazaar in india but how was your experience of you know aggregating uh, different insurance products and 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 presenting in, in a market like india or was it like a smooth journey or you faced a few challenges uh, with that see it is going to be a tough journey anywhere in the world it is not a india is a tougher journey or some other country is a easier journey so 
whether it's the US, UK, Europe, aggregators except the UK have had a tough ride almost everywhere. So to some extent, we were prepared for that. But, uh, you know, most of the tough ride really comes from the supplier side. It does not come from an, you know, government perspective. In India, there was a lot of, uh, you know, rules and regulation changes, which became very critical to our growth. And, you know, to some extent, that was not as expected. It came as a sort of bit of a, a rude shock to us. But over the last 12, 13 years, we have learned to work with that. And, uh, you know, we understand that it is more of a communication problem than an intention problem. Because the regulator may see from a different worldview than one we may be seeing from. We may come from a very non-insurance worldview. The regulator may come from a very steeped in insurance worldview. We've all said and done before Policy Bazaar, my total experience in insurance is one and a half years. The Most people at the regulator would have 20, 30 years of insurance experience. So they come with a very evolved thinking on insurance while we don't have that. We come from a very consumer mindset. Why can't this be the case? And for somebody who's got 20, 30 experience in a certain way of doing things, that change is, is a big challenge. And for us also to understand the ways of insurance is a big challenge. So last 12, 13 years, we've, I think we've learned to understand each other better. But it has been a constant communication challenge. That is usually not the case, at least in developed economies. And sure, and this aggregation, uh, yes, no, you highlighted uh, it, it's a partnership, right? Because uh, you're working with multiple uh, insurance vendors, right? And and then it's just like you know, kind of a relationship, right? Which has to go and which has to be managed, and it, it should work well for both the parties, right? So it, it's yeah. that kind of model, which is it's more of a partnership, which which should work for everyone. And obviously, me being from the consumer side, right? So me being a customer. And uh, I've also uh, kind of enjoyed this aggregation uh, in, in a sense because uh, obviously we were uh, used to buying insurance in a very different way. I'm talking about you know, four, five, six years back. But then uh, I bought insurance from Policy Bazaar last year and it was kind of a seamless experience because I get to compare different products and, and, and I can take informed decisions uh, before buying. So I, in that sense, uh, there is a lot of empowerment which has happened to the consumers. The, the challenge usually is the process in the industry is very broken from an online perspective. See, we are used to going to an Amazon, clicking a button and getting the thing delivered to us in a day or two and that to a physical good. Here it's an electronic item. It can ideally be delivered instantaneously. There should be no time delay. If I want a refund, I should be able to click a button and get a refund. Right? Why do I need to take somebody's permission to get a refund on the money I have paid? I want to cancel the product before buying it. You have not issued a policy yet. I want to cancel it. Why do I, why does it need an approval for cancellation? Right? Agreed. You either issue my policy or cancel my policy. Ask me what you want to, but do it. What are you waiting for? You know, very basic questions that we as consumers would have. And then I put on the industry shoes and I look at it from a consumer's perspective. A consumer comes to us and says, I bought the policy from you. So where is my claim? Or whatever it is. And uh, many a times it is you know, the industry works in a particular way and many a times it may be a regulatory challenge. It is usually not because people don't have access to technology. You know, that's what I tell the regulator all the time and, you know, many people all the time. That is not because we are not capable of doing what needs to be done, but it is because the challenges are huge, right? For everything, you will need an approval. You will need a, you know, it, you just can't go and do it. Like somebody the other day asked me, in fact, it was somebody very senior at the regulator that why don't you sell products to the really lower economic segments of the country, let's say 5 lakh rupee, life cover, etc. And we created a product very quickly. 
but there is no retail product available at that price point because you need to check in a retail product you need to do due diligence the price point would be 100 rupees at 100 rupees how do you do due diligence you know all those kind of pieces start to fall in every process needs to be approved we actually did it found out what we were doing was illegal pulled back immediately you, you see what i mean we put it alive as a pilot you know there's a sandbox approach so i think those challenges are still very extreme and for the lay consumer he he struggles and you have to defend your brand in that situation you know very simple thing a customer might pay me and say you told me you're not going to give me the policy so why don't you return my money and i'm like your money i can't keep it has to go to the insurer and the insurer might take 20 days to return it customer saying i don't care i think you are earning interest on my money he doesn't realize that the money cannot stay in my account even for one day i'm not earning interest on it then what you start is you start a one click refund so we started a one click refund process any customer come to me click on it and take a refund people come back and say no 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 that is not allowed how can you do that because according to regulation it is not allowed because the money must come back from the insurer only into the same account that the customer has you you understand right because otherwise it could be a cash rebate correct right so my point is it takes the energy out of you it takes the innovation out of you and you you see your own brand suffering not for your own faults because you know you can imagine right i'm happy to do the one click refund i'm taking the credit risk i'm taking every risk i'm happy to take that yeah absolutely correct but even then i'm not allowed to take it if you see what i mean so absolutely absolutely yeah i i can completely understand because uh, being a regulated uh, industry so there it has its own challenge right running this kind of modern technology enabled uh, businesses right but then yeah sometimes regulation comes in a way to innovate around the products and give more choices and convenience to the customers i can agree yeah. and we also have come a long way in the insurance industry from from the you know what it was a decade back i, I can clearly see there are a lot of uh, positive also coming across so in terms of policy bazaar business how has company evolved or grown uh, if you could share that Yeah, it's grown in terms of the fact that you know most of the suppliers now support us. We get very good treatment for our customers. We have been able to create exclusive experiences for our customers in the purchase journey, in the claims journey. It is very difficult to do because imagine doing it with forty different insurance companies. So there's a lot of evolution that's happened, positive evolution. I think the volumes have obviously gone up. We are almost doing a billion dollars of insurance premium now. we started to become a significant part of the industry we are about 10 12% of the health insurance industry we are about 25% of the term life industry we are about you know getting close to 10% of the motor industry so we started to become significant and that brings with it you know responsibility but also it brings with it the scale economics etc so yeah it's it's an interesting phase we are uh, going into that phase where you know we could potentially move from 5 10% market share to maybe 25 30% market share which is huge in an industry like insurance right you appreciate insurance is like a you know globally a multi trillion dollar economy absolutely yeah and that's a significant jump right so aspiring for yeah, we're growing right so if you just look at 5 years ago we were so i remember in the uk when aggregation started the industry share of aggregators went from um, 1% to 3% to 5% to 8% to 16% to 24% to 40% in whatever to 30% to 40% over a period of 8 years it went from 0 to uh, to roughly 40% of the industry Quite radical yeah. right now what you are seeing here, here in the last 5 years because before that it was 1% yeah in the last 5 years it has gone from 1% to whichever is the relevant industry almost touching 10% is online 10 to 10 to 15% is online right my view is you got 5 years you going to have more than half the industry is going to be online 
I'm, I'm sure you know the, the future certainly uh, looks great when it comes to the technology-enabled businesses. And obviously, I mean, from the historical standpoint, if you see the acceleration is has happened, and, and I'm sure in the next five years, it, it is uh, pace of change in this industry will move up. And, and and I'm sure you know this 25% aspiration. The number it looks uh, higher at this point of time, but a uh, few years down the lane, when we'll be discussing, I'm sure those will be looking very realistic and achievable. Mm. Now coming uh, to uh, COVID-19 pandemic, right? So in March uh, there was a lockdown announced in India, and everything was shut. Uh, so how did you responded uh, to this situation as a CEO? Yeah, we were very afraid. I was very afraid. I'm a, I'm genuinely a paranoid person. I'm worried about hundred things. Right, because the build, business has been built very painstakingly with the effort of a lot of people, and if we don't succeed, I think the customer will really lose out. Because I don't find anybody else as passionate about health insurance and life insurance as, as us. So our our mission and our business is very very critical to us. Right. So I was very worried when COVID happened because a lot of our operations depend on people working from office. We had almost ten twelve thousand employees, and I was very worried that if our offices are forced to shut down, what would happen? Because I didn't think any of our systems would work, and I thought we would lose revenue dramatically, and our costs would stay. Because you know you can't really do much about your costs immediately. You know, thankfully I was proven wrong. So we held on to keeping our offices open till the very end. Till pretty much three of my investors had called me and said, "Why don't you shut down offices? It's no longer safe." I was in the office. Everybody else was in the office. We kept working till 20th of March when the government said, "Now, now you got to shut offices." We said we'll keep going till the government asks us to shut down. Right when the government said you got to shut offices, we shut offices. And what a relief it was on 20th March, you know, 12 o'clock, because I get my sales reports at three, four times in a day. When I got the first sales report, and it said things are just as they were yesterday, nothing changed. And that was a phenomenal feeling. That was a phenomenal feeling. I think for us, in that first four hours, the battle was over. Because after that, whatever came, we were prepared for the ten percent up and down. That we were not worried about. We were prepared as long as we could keep communicating to the consumer and as long as we could keep servicing them without the need of a physical office. We were good. We would do the. We would handle the rest. And so that was it. Yeah, that first four hours was a challenge and was the strenuous part. After that, it was okay. After that, there was no stress. And we did a lot in that four hours, right? So we were very well prepared by the nineteenth of March. We knew we had to shut down at some point. We were very well prepared. So we had. Acquired laptops. We had acquired, uh, you know, phones. We had got all our applications moved to apps. We had done all of that. So from the operational preparation perspective, we were spot on, and we just executed, and that's it. And from that day onwards, the amazing thing is, our operations were so strong that they straight away started tracking who is calling, who is not calling, who is having difficulty, who is having what, who is stuck in which place, how can we get them where? Imagine doing this at a scale of ten, twelve thousand employees. and supporting that entire structure it can't happen with one person it happened because of the deep management team which kept moving that structure today about 7000 of our employees are no longer in delhi they are working from their hometown ranchi udaipur wherever they are right we brought down our office capacity to almost half we might bring it down further we may never need an office again but i think it would be a lie to say that we knew this would be the way it would be i think we were very i was very worried In fact, I was the one who was fighting with my entire team that we will keep it going. Our entire team was like, "We can shut it now. It's no longer safe." Because the cases were rising. If you think about it, right? Yes. Right. But I was saying, "No, we'll stay in office till the last day." In fact, uh, we had one case and one building was shut down. That we found that case was fraud because it was an employee pretending that he had COVID. In which case, 
you know our people wanted to call the police i said no that's okay people make mistakes let the guy go right because imagine this is an employee who came in and said i have covid because he wanted the office shut down it's just strange yeah yeah oh, everything happens man when you got 12000 employees yeah yeah, yeah you can't you can't say all 12000 are gods yes yeah but yeah i think you're from the foundation uh, it looks like that you were kind of prepared right so i think it it talks volume about the quality of team as well that uh, ensured uh, oh, phenomenal very deep very deep team i am so grateful for our team it's very deep and i say that word again and again deep because i believe one person or 10 people cannot do it it is 200 people deep when i say 200 people deep that means the 200th person can work independently you know when you when you have a bunch of uh, commando units you know commando an infantry regiment is 1000 people but a commando unit is 4 to 12 people commando platoon right and if you can convert your 1000 people infantry unit into platoons of 12 people you've got crazy execution ability because it's not one person deciding what to do it's people independently deciding what to do and doing it i can without a doubt say we have a 200 people deep team what that means is a 200th employee is making independent decisions and acting without supervision without constant supervision at least yeah, that's a remarkable achievement i would that say that is phenomenal how do you get that alignment how do you get that ownership you know where the 200th employee believes this is me you know many of my competitors have complained to me that they could not hire our people it's because of this that the first 200 people are so stuck they just can't move that's a great structure to have right i think it's something that every ceo desires and i'm glad that you already have built it in the in the company so that was yeah. remarkable so and in terms of operations obviously you you got it right and there was not much of a disruption but what has been the impact on the business uh, because of covid 19 yeah it's largely been okay initially it was positive then it became balanced and you know we have we look at things not as one business we look at things as different business units because i told you we have these 200 people all doing different things right so it's like some parts doing better some parts doing worse so there were times when some parts did better like motor went down in the beginning life really took off in the beginning then health took off and now motor is taking off yes yeah right so different pieces different times lending lending almost went out of business but lending is is back as recovery yeah Sure. So yeah. So obviously, this was uh, this was kind of expected. The uptick around the health uh, policy and insurance policy, right? Because uh, because this this COVID nineteen hits lot many hard, and then lot many realized that sometimes they were they were not having right amount of insurance with them. You said there was an uptick, but then any any specific uh, patterns did you see because of COVID around those months and now? Yeah, uh, there was an uptick. and uh, i think in terms of covid uh, the impacts been you know the anxiety around covid has been going down there's no doubt about that so you know even if you look at google searches i think they are about 1/5 of what they were at its peak yeah i'm sure you know because uh, if you look at the situation right now so we are in much better position uh, than what it was around march and april and and, and there was a lot of anxiety around those months right so you're not sure as to what's going on but i think i think since now we are able to track it well and then there's enough clarity around uh, the disease and how it's spreading and and obviously there is a lot of know how as well right so how to fight this disease now and how to prevent it i think in that in that sense uh, we we are in a much better uh, situation too mm. sure now talking about technology right uh, so technology obviously is playing a crucial role in uh, insurance business today would you like to share uh, how is policy bazaar leveraging it to stay ahead yeah i think uh, there are two ways in which you can operate as a as an aggregator right one is the basic you company gives you quotation you display it you do some marketing you get customers and 
beyond that you don't care you basically made the boy and the girl meet you don't care beyond that right that's yeah. i think there is a there is a certain amount of technology involved in that which is very basic technology you know all you are doing is collecting information showcasing information allowing transactions to happen and that of course we you know every aggregator in the world does so i think that is not much to speak about then it comes to what intelligence can you apply in this process who is the customer coming what are the data as parameters you are picking up about that customer what are you learning about him how have the claims profiles of the same customers been over the next 10 years 12 years which is the data that we have what are the customers seeking so what are the customer looking for what should the insurance company watch out for both because there's two kinds of information here right what product attracts the customer and which kind of customer is a higher risk for the insurance company or a lower risk and putting all that data together collecting it on a regular ongoing basis and honing your you know basically sharpening your tools every time you deal with more customers that is what you will call smart pipes and that is what policy bazaar is trying to do and is doing so that is exactly where we differentiate ourselves and whatever technology is required to do that we apply it i think that is where we are quite different from most other aggregators in the world who would just be you know the basic technology to transact is there it's like you know you set up a online website to sell shoes it's a bit different from how amazon would do it it's it's exactly the same thing sure and uh, from the road ahead perspective right so one is about uh, the work aspect right so how do you see uh, it evolving in short term and long term right so future of work uh, for policy bazaar as per you yeah are more and more work from home it's becoming more and more common man i don't see how it will return to the same as before because like day before my son had his first day at university i went to drop him we sat in that room everything was happening on zoom calls he was like what am i doing here he says let's just drive back home he just drove back home because everything is you know why why would you need to so i think a lot of our beliefs are going to get questioned and they would not have got questioned had covid not happened you know i always i couldn't have believed spending so much time away from the office i think uh, we have we are now going to have our third board meeting remotely and there were laws there were laws you had to be physically present during a board meeting laws have changed you know the laws would not have evolved oh let me put it this way there was a physical signature required in every insurance policy now e policies are necessary it has changed right suddenly <laughs> yeah so all this change would not have happened if covid had not enabled it and so covid has forced us to you know sit at home and think differently that you know why are you idiots traveling so much why are you going for these physical meetings traveling from delhi to bombay and bombay to bangalore and bangalore to hyderabad and whatever else travel was huge yeah why aren't you just sitting at home and getting on with your life you do your you know running swimming cycling whatever you want to in your local area and you do your work on the internet why don't you have your meetings on whatever it be whether it's a zoom or a google hangout or whatever it is i think basically this could have happened earlier we were just not doing it we were just being stupid yes and you absolutely right uh, so we were just waiting for this moment right so somebody like covid uh, situation uh, triggers uh, these kind of uh, you know changes and the lending some of the industry changes are good you look at the lending industry for every lending you had to physically meet a customer how ridiculous can that be what will you gain by physically meeting a customer what is it that you cannot see about a customer today that you want to physically meet him yes we had a process in insurance which some companies followed which was called the osv process own seen and verified i have seen the person in his house and verified that he lives there wow <laughs> this was there till covid now how how exactly oh well insurance is going on how is osv happening 
Somebody should ask, how is OSB happening? Nobody can go and see, uh, but but, it's, but sales are happening. Yes. So I think a lot of embarrassing questions for the previous business runners. Obviously, it has triggered uh, a lot of uh, trends now, and which which uh, looks like you know these will uh, continue or, or they will stay for good. But are there any other uh, changes uh, that you're seeing in the insurance industry? Something which is like you can call it like future of insurance. Yeah, the future of insurance depends on what the customer wants to do. And you are a customer. Yeah. What do you want from insurance? Basically, you want a health insurance, you want a life insurance. If you have a mobile phone, you want it insured. If you want a car, you want it insured. That's it, right? You don't want anything fancy from insurance. You want a simple thing that says, okay, if you have this cost, you pay this amount of fees. Everybody understands what insurance is. Insurance is basically, you lived in a village. Everybody had cattle. Nobody knows whose cattle would fall sick and die. Somebody's would every year. So everybody put in a certain amount of money into a bag and whosoever's cattle died got that money to buy new cattle. The insurance is, I think, the second oldest industry in the world. So it's existed forever and people understand what it is. I think uh, for our own profits, people have complicated it. It doesn't need to be. It was never about investment. It was always about insurance. I kind of agree with you yeah, because if you look at customer, so customer wants uh, simplicity and uh, they do not want hassles associated with you know buying insurance and then you know claiming it claiming it etc right? oh, no, go to hospital you pay you pay the bill yeah what are you checking ke ko hernia hua hai, nahi hua hai, kya hua hai, what is the cause of this don't get into all that yeah you take my money up front but you know customer bhi hai. if you tell the customer there's a policy which doesn't ask anything but it costs twenty thousand rupees and there's a policy which will ask you all the questions and it's ten thousand rupees the customer will take the ten thousand rupee policy <laughs> you know, but i don't want the questions asked yeah so it's a complicated industry. Remember, this is a product in which the best case scenario is you never use the product. You tell me one more product in the world where your best case scenario is that you never use the product. Yeah, it's like you know, if you don't use it, all the better, right? So that's that's what you never use the product. So I think it's a it's a complicated product for that reason. And in terms of road ahead, right? So is there anything specific uh, plans or how do you really uh, look? In next few years, what what as a company you're trying to do? Yeah, we want to keep working on the smart pipes that I mentioned. The smart part, which is identifying consumers' requirements, passing them on to companies, getting companies to create new products, companies as in insurance companies and reinsurers, and then understanding risk better, and thus with companies putting those deploying all those risk assessment parameters so that we can get you know better understanding of the customer before we take on the risk, as in before the industry takes on the risk. It's an integrated approach. I think the more we do of that, see, different channels have different advantages. The advantage of a physical channel is I can quietly give you a cashback. I can quietly do some, you know, mis-selling to you, etc. In a transparent channel, that is not your strength. That is, you know, you have to declare everything. That's a strength from a consumer's perspective. So transparency is the strength of the digital channel. And it has to leverage that to the hilt, which means more and more information gathering, more and more data gathering, more and more acting on data. If you keep doing that, you will differentiate yourself from other channels because other channels cannot compete with you on that parameter. That is your strength. Sure. Now, let me ask you a different question. Uh, this is regarding the startup. Right? So startup ecosystem has uh, evolved in India. And today there are many young aspirants trying to a startup and maybe build a unicorn. And you have been there and done that. So what's your advice to them? So how can they go about uh, building good business? First of all, don't think about building a unicorn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Every press statement, if you notice, yeah. whenever people have called me unicorn, and you also thankfully done that, but whenever people have done that, 
I think there is some affection towards this word, right? So a lot of people. I have uh, I have hated it. Yeah. I have detested it. <laughs> okay. Because that was never the purpose, and it is not the purpose. We we are much more than a billion dollars now, yeah, but yeah. that is not the purpose. Yeah, that is not the purpose at all. And it's very painful that you know when again and again people remind you that somehow monetary was the purpose. I can assure you one thing: if we had decided to do this for money, we would not have been able to do it. I can assure you. I can guarantee it. And the reason is very simple: when we faced the challenges we faced, whether they were regulatory, whether they were survivalistic, etc., etc., if we were driven by the urge to make money in those initial five, six, seven years, we would have given up because we would have realized we were going to fail from a monetary perspective. And I think the reason we carried on was because there was a greater purpose. The purpose was. insurance for middle class in india i once in this interview also used that term it is my purpose for life right when you get something as powerful as that which is your calling for life then what is a unicorn you will become the world's largest company also but that will be a by product that is not your purpose you know let me give you another example which i give to people yeah sure when you run a lot you know your blood counts go up but the reason you run is not to become a blood bank Hmm. Yeah. Right. Your purpose in life, you need blood, and the quality of blood makes you happier, makes you fitter. You know, you get a stronger heart by running. You get stronger muscles because of running. But the purpose you did it is not to get a stronger heart and the or get the strongest heart in the world or get the best blood in the world. That is not your purpose. The purpose is because you enjoy running. And if if that is not your purpose, one day you will find a different way of making money. Like let me explain. In the first ten years of our being, becoming a banker or being a consultant was a much easier way of making money than what I was doing. And at the end of it, as a founder, you won't be left with too much equity either. Yeah, it goes down. You know, eventually there'll be investors who will have bulk of the equity and they will get a bulk of the benefit that you create. But you owe it to them. Without them, you would not have fulfilled your dream. And your dream was not to make money. Your dream was to fulfill something. Without them, you wouldn't have succeeded. So all I'm trying to say is, if we can see that thinking. we will have successes and successes and successes if the thinking is i just want to become a you know i think we will get a bad name as an industry it will it will become a disaster of an industry according to me and I, i think this is a great piece of advice right so startup for right reasons uh, and obviously it shouldn't be the money right because if you start with wrong reasons then uh, probably is not good <laughs> where you will end up yeah 90% of founders will make less money than they would have in a job 10% will make more but there's something about those 10% which when you deep dive you will see it was the purpose i'm i'm sure at least 6% out of that 10% is that 4% is just lucky so that's fine i think these are golden words and i'm sure because uh, as i said you know you've been there and done that right so and obviously since you started for right reasons so who better uh, than you to uh, guide and provide uh, the advice as to why you should start up and what you should do so i think that's great so sure. and now uh, final thoughts or comments you want to leave us with I think uh, you know I have somewhere found my purpose to expand insurance. Remember, we also have a business, Pesa Bazaar. Yes, uh, but yeah. somewhere I'm unable to find the same passion for it. Uh, that also makes money, by the way. You know, when you have a purpose, you will realize you put your heart and soul into something. But but you don't just do that; it becomes more important than yourselves. And uh, I also say the partners that you have and the team you have is very important. We all have our arguments, but at the end of it, we can fully trust each other. and uh, we can kind of get on with things so you know choose your team very wisely is the only thing i would say uh, because you will have to live with them for a very long time and you shouldn't repent it you shouldn't repent those you know years 
the best years of your life that you spent building something you shouldn't repent them one thing i'll assure you i have seen money from up close i haven't had money but i have seen people who had money from up close the excitement of money lasts 6 months that i can assure anybody you buy a new house you buy a new car you buy a new thing you get a certain amount of money in your bank the excitement from it will last 6 months after 6 months you will want more that i can assure you that's a guarantee if you can find somebody who says i've made so much i'm so happy that i don't want any more 6 months after they made that you show me that person right so eventually that will not lead to happiness happiness will come from what you achieved in your life whether you people call it legacy no, i don't care about legacy the point is many a times maybe the world abuses you but you know you've done the right thing and you're still happy you've almost left no legacy but you're still happy if you have yourselves been able to look yourself in the eye and done the right things right lots of examples out there whether it was i i you know i'm not political but if you look at subhash chandra bose and mahatma gandhi right both are great people both can feel great about themselves right the outcomes are very different the outcomes of one becomes the father of the nation one is almost unknown but uh, but hey you know is there any lack of pride in being uh, subhash chandra bose so my point is yeah you got to find that purpose yeah i think great comments and thoughts it was a lovely conversation today uh, jashish and i thank you for that and it was pleasure having you at the podcast today thank you nice speaking with you thank you for listening to this episode we sincerely hope that you enjoyed it if you like the conversation then do subscribe to the podcast if not done already and also please share it within your network so that it could reach and benefit more listeners you can also find recordings of masters of growth episodes on www.mastersofgrowth.in thanks again for listening and i would catch you in the next episode till then take care and stay safe